Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Stage, the opera podcast. We are so excited to be talking about all of those wonderful little things that we didn't learn at school. <laughs> all of the things that maybe we should have learned or maybe somebody should have talked to us about, but we just didn't get the opportunity to learn. And um, so hopefully it'll be a really fun day and we're going to give you some great takeaways, things that you can use to help in your career. Is everyone saying no to your singing career? Well, we here at Take the Stage Opera Podcast say toy, toy, toy. Find out what is holding you back so you can stop waiting in the wings and go out and get your standing ovation. There are no forbidden topics here, so get your ticket and find your seat. In Boca Lupo. Okay, so Evan Dunn here and my co-host, super important, Mariah Wilcox. <laughs> hey, y'all. <laughs> Today, we're super excited to be talking about a really important subject and maybe a little controversial, what I didn't learn in college and um, to learn so much from our guest. You know, Evan, I feel like most of our podcasts in some way talk about what we didn't learn in college. Right. It's kind of filling in those things. Right. I mean, I remember being told that this career was super hard and not for the faint-hearted, but I always thought, oh, well, as long as I work hard and, you know, like put in my hours, it'll be fine and right. I'll be able to do what I want. It'll all work out, which is true, but I didn't understand exactly what all of the hard work entailed. <laughs> so, yeah. What are some of the things that you feel like your undergrad didn't you prepare you for? Well, I, I would have to say that I agree. You know, there's a lot of things um, as you go into this career, like acting skills mm. or makeup skills or business <laughs> skills or all of these different things that yeah. you like, I show up to my first show and they're like, you do your own makeup. And I'm yeah. like, mm, great. This is going to be good. I, I learned how to put on eyeliner in my like junior year of college because I had to wear eyeliner for a show. Yeah. And some people obviously have had some more experience with that. Right. And I didn't get that. Um, Especially as a man. Right. Like you wouldn't wear makeup <laughs> every day unless you want to. Which right. Is fine. Yes. But yeah. Anyway, we're just really excited. And um, we have our guest here with us today, John Myers. John, how are you? Oh, I'm lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Another day. Yes. Have a great day, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Every day is a good day. Every day is a new day. So, yeah. Yes. yes. And learning so much through this pandemic, trying to thrive, as you said earlier. Yeah. You know, you, you can try to choose to thrive in any level, like small, small thriving moments or big thriving moments, you know, but to yeah. thrive is the, the goal. Yeah. Yes. And celebrate when you when you have a thriving moment. Yes. Enjoy <laughs> the moment. John Myers is an emerging artist. Um, he's doing awesome and amazing things. He recently has worked with the New York Phil, the Met Opera, Santa Fe Opera, the Los Angeles Philharmonic, Los Angeles Opera, and Seattle Opera. He is a graduate of the Manhattan School of Music and studied at the Academy of Vocal Arts. John is not only one of my favorite voices, but he's also one of my favorite people. I've... <laughs> 
he made a face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been lucky enough to learn a lot from you, actually. And I really wanted to have you on this podcast because you're someone who is quite successful in the business, but you're still very much in the beginning stages. So we're really excited to hear your perspective of what we as young artists should be focusing our time on and just how to better prepare ourselves in general. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So, John, Evan and I just talked a little bit about your accomplishments, but we would love to hear a little bit about your background and about how you decided to become an opera singer. So, well, I grew up in Southern California and um, my parents are both in like the medical related fields. My my mother is a microbiologist as as well as my dad. My dad is as well. And um, like my dad made heart valves. He has like patents for heart valves. And I used to watch like open heart surgery videos of them putting it in with him. It's really weird and kind of morbid. But um, yeah, it, it was interesting. And then my mom worked for a long time for Johnson and Johnson. And so it, the whole growing up was the idea was I was always going to be go that direction of something related to the medical world. And, you know, also being half Asian, you get the mother who's like, Oh, you're either a doctor, a dentist or a lawyer. That's like it. (laughs) But you know, such a disappointment. (laughs) Oh, it it took, it took a while for her too. (laughs) But she got there. She got there. She loves it. Um, I went to the Manhattan school of music and it was, kind of like eye-opening going from like a small suburban California town to mm-hmm. New York where I was on my own for the whole time for the first time and right. my mother being very protective would call me every like two hours and be like where are you now where are you now <laughs> and I was like I'm I'm in my dorm room or my apartment at the time and she'd be like well where is that and I'm like you know <laughs> you've been here um <laughs> But, you know, but then she still calls me. She's like, where are you? And I'll be like, oh, I'm in, I don't know. I'm with Angela in Torino. And she's like, I know this, but where in Torino? I was like, you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But then when I um, finished my master's, I was like, I'm in a good place. And I was singing at the time what I thought was right for me. And I wasn't getting a lot of bites on young artist programs and things like that. And and it was like four years from when I finished my master's until when I went to ABA that um, oh, wow. it was, it was a very hard four years because yeah. I wasn't getting into like the big artist programs. I wasn't um, winning big competitions, um, but I was getting work professionally. Um, but it was like, I did a, not a lot of traditional path yeah. of like, you know, you go to this young artist program and you, do this and you get a manager through that and you keep going and you win the Met competition. And that wasn't really my path. So, um, and then, but I ended up doing a lot of concert work, which frankly I love and I'm so thankful for. Okay, John, so we have a couple of questions that we would love for you to talk to us about. Some of them are questions Evan and I have, and some of them are from a few of our listeners, Michael Parham and Samuel Chiba. So, um, how do you feel about marketing yourself? How do you do it? Especially if you are an older young artist who is kind of like right on the cusp of like being a professional artist and still being seen as a young artist. Yeah, that's marketing is key, but also it's very specific to each person. Okay. Um, you kind of have to just know your strengths and 
you have to think of yourself as a commodity. But like, I deliver on this, 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 and this. And I feel like I do it better than anyone else or at a very high level. And then you really lead with that. And, you know, sometimes it works in your favor, sometimes it doesn't. But I think the more specific you can be with who you are as a artist and a commodity, um, that you can sell yourself to the public and to a company is the best way for you to attract attention to yourself and then eventually get jobs. But with that said, you still have to sing really well and you have to be like a really good colleague and yeah. somebody people want to work with. If you're not somebody somebody wants to work with, then they're just going to hire you once and not hire you again. And how do you, how do you get that across to the people you're marketing to? Exactly, yeah. Um, it's, you know, I think it's with like the clips of audio or the video that you put out in there you choose specifically what you're going to put out there. You just don't throw out everything that you've sung under the sun. Right. You know, you have to be like, for me, it's like, I do a lot of really great contemporary opera and concert pieces. So I like to make sure I have those pieces out there. Like I have clips of the war requiem or recital music that I recorded and it's really good quality. Um, or also like, I also do really, I really love like Slavic and um, Russian music. So I do a lot of that as well. But also it's also how you style yourself in a way like that, you know, it's all about pictures now, like with Instagram. So you have to like tell a story with that, but you have to think of your narrative and include that in your, what you're thinking of. Hmm. And as you're going through this journey and you're trying to stay true to yourself and, you know, sometimes it feels like it's not going as fast as you'd like it to be. How do you stay motivated? Well, motivation is hard because you see other people maybe going faster to things mm -hmm. than you do. And it can, yours can slip or slide on your path, but you have to remember your path is your path. It's going to take the amount of time it takes I equate it to baking. Like if you bake a cake, you can't expect the cake to be done in half the amount of time. Mm. You have to let it bake until it's done. So that path is, might take longer for you than maybe Joe Smith to your right. Right. Or Sally, Sally Susan, I don't know, on your left, but it's good. I love <laughs> Sally Susan. You know, she's, she, she's got a good high F. So, <laughs> but, um, but that's the thing is like, you have to, you have to be, you have to trust that you're going at the speed you need to go to and you can't jump over hurdles because if you jump over hurdles, you're going to be missing something that you needed in that time. And, but with that said, it's also, you can't just be sitting back and just waiting for things to happen. You also have to be, you know, proactive. And the biggest thing that I think why I got the work that I got in those four years between um, my master's and ABA was I was okay with writing to companies and orchestras and people I knew and be like very cordially and very professionally be like, I'm around. I'd love to sing for you. I'd love to be considered for something or I'm local. And because of my family's in Southern California with Long Beach Opera, I was like, I'm local and I can be local and I'd love to audition for you. And um, sometimes it doesn't, you don't get anything back uh, because, you know, cold emailing is hard some people they just delete but sometimes you get them to respond like with long beach they gave me an audition the day after christmas and i was home for christmas so i went and did the audition it was one of the weirdest auditions i've ever done in my life <laughs> because they're all about the acting and being kind of okay mm -hmm. open to exploring in a different way so it wasn't about the vocalism at all 
I mean, it was, I still had to sing well, but um, <laughs> like uh, Andres Medesek, who used to run the company was, he gave me a, an assignment, like I was singing, what was I singing? I don't remember the aria, but he had me sing it. Um, it was a love song, but he said like, sing it as if you are trying to scare little children. Amazing. Yeah. And so it was something completely different, but you had to, in the moment, separate yourself from what you're singing about to the intent and yeah. com combine the two. And it's mm -hmm. just being flexible like that is important. But, you know, being proactive, but also being okay and being like, this, somebody else is getting something because it's their time for that. And my time will come if I keep knocking on doors, yeah. being a good colleague and doing good work. So do you think it's possible to have a personal life or a family in this career? Um, I think it's necessary mm. uh, because if you don't have a life of your own outside of your career, if your career isn't going the way you necessarily want it to, or you're at the end of your career or anything or something happens, you're going to be devastated and that's not your whole life, you know? Yeah. There's so much more to life. And frankly, if you live more, it'll be able to influence what you can offer the table in your singing, mm. in your performances. Yeah. You know, I've, I've grown so much since I did, the first time I did the Britain War Requiem, uh, it, it, was, it was fine, it was good. But like, the next time I did it, I, you know, I got married and mm -hmm. had other things happen in my life, like lost people. And things take on a different, deeper meaning by, Right. Letting life be life and you live it to its fullest. Yes. So you mentioned you got married and that was kind of a change for you. And I suppose we should say that you are married to Angela Mead, who we interviewed last week. That's so great that um, you have Angela on your team. And um, could you talk a little bit more about how you picked your team and um, how that has worked for you? Yeah, it's um, building your team. I think takes time and also you need to, I can't equate it to dating. You kind of need to like <laughs> date your team members to see if they're a good fit for your team. You know, that whether that be your manager, your voice teacher, your coach, um, even like, well, you don't really have to do this with your, like your best friend, your best friend should be there regardless, no matter what, <laughs> but you need somebody also like outside of the business that you can just lay it all out there too. But you know, my voice teacher, um, we came to working together after schooling and uh, eventually at, like through ABA and it was great. Um, before that, you know, I had several teachers who some worked really well for me, some didn't work as well. Right. And in the moment you're like, no, I have, this is going to work. I'm going to make it work. But you have to t sometimes take a step back and be like, is this working for me? Cause you have to think of it as a business and as like, somebody who would hire in like a carpenter to build a cabinet if the cat the cabinet isn't being built the way you would like it to be built it's time to take a step back and uh, evaluate is this helping me or is it hindering me and then you have like you have to take out the personal aspect of it even though it's so personal singing and with a voice mm -hmm. teacher but it's it's a weird balancing act you have to do with especially finding a voice teacher for your team um but you know i don't think i I think a voice teacher is important, but I don't think they're the most important on your team because, you know, they see it just from the vocal aspect most of the time, um, which is important. But then also you need your manager who I think has an equal share. I don't think anyone has a higher 
percentage of importance on your team. Everyone should kind of have equal footing. That way nobody outweighs the other. Yeah. But like there's a manager will have a different perspective than a voice teacher will have. A manager will be like, this is a good opportunity to connect you with this conductor or this house or this orchestra, but the fee is not great. And, or the, um, the piece that you've been offered is not ideal, but it's still can show you in a good light. But as a voice teacher, they'd be like, oh, that piece is not great for you. You shouldn't yeah. do it you know, or something like that. So it's, you need something to balance each other out. And I've always been a firm believer that you need, you can't have two, you can't have two legs. You have like a table will not stand with only two legs. You need at least three. And a three, um, like the strongest structure in um, nature is a triangle. So I think a a three points of um, contact essentially are, the strongest benefit for your team you know whether that be a spouse for that third leg or a coach or your best friend you know and then after that if you add more you can but they you have to change the percentage for each person so nobody is fully owning your your team because you have to remember you're the ceo of your career so how important is mental health and loving yourself and how difficult is it to maintain your mental health in this career? Do you have a year to talk about? Because this is <laughs> right. important and like very lengthy, but you know, mental health is important and making sure you tell yourself that like you are enough and then you are more than enough to do the job and more than enough as a human and you deserve to be in the room be deserve to talk to who you talk to is vital to your life in general outside of your career as a person you you need to know everyone has worth and is important and loving yourself is the first and most important thing i think you know sometimes i've gone through my issues with that mental health and you know, you have to, I sometimes think you have to like look in the mirror every day if you need it and tell yourself you are enough and I love you, you know, and when you verbalize it, it really resonates in your body and in your soul and you can feel it and then you can put that out into the world and somebody else can feel it and hopefully it'll help them get better too. But, you know, happiness, I find it, it's like a practice. You have to practice happiness and kindness it's not something that's a given, but it's a practice, you know, like some days I'm better at it than others. And some days I'm not, and, but it's okay, but I'll get better. So you've got this mental exercise of how you treat yourself, how you strive to treat other people. What does it look like? I mean, you said you look in the mirror and, you know, maybe you have something to say to yourself. And I feel like for me, I've tried to say things to myself before, and then I don't really believe it. And then I just kind of yeah. give up. I mean, how do, you, how do you make it a daily practice that really makes a difference over time? Over time, I honestly think, I, I, I totally understand what you just said, because there's days when I think it, I'm like, that's just a bunch of bull. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not buying it. But, you know, I... For myself, when it's really hard, I still force myself to tell myself something good about myself or tell myself that I'm enough. And I think, frankly, that's just my baseline is telling myself I am enough and what I'm going to do today is enough. And do you write? Whether, do you say it out loud? Do you, how do you? 
some uh you know sometimes i've written it but most of the time it's for me it's i have to say it to myself whether it be like me just standing in the bathroom by myself or i'm like sitting in bed or or i say it out loud like loudly multiple times it depends on what i need that day yeah but um it's just gonna it takes the work you know and you have to build this you have to build your house and build your uh foundation and your structure so that when the wind blows it doesn't knock it over and you have the structure of i am enough and i'm good and i'm worthy and that is okay if i'm like if i don't want to be like super happy today that's fine but i am enough yeah. and i am deserving to want things and have things i think the more i get to know opera singers and hear stories and hear how we have to do this type of work the more i appreciate opera as an art form you know because yeah. we really are <laughs> we're kind of this vulnerable people we put ourselves out on the stage and do these crazy things and you know, we exude confidence in all that all that we do. But like to hear mm -hmm. that we all have to try to figure this out for ourselves and do this type of work, it's really kind of empowering and exciting, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think you have to, sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it. Yeah. You know. Um, but like you know, mm -hmm. sing, singing opera is kind of like a superpower because you're singing over an orchestra with just your two little vocal folds in your neck, right. and you sometimes you make it sometimes you don't but you want to what you can do it okay so i have heard that as a freelance artist you are never financially stable like you there will just never be a point where you're like yep i am always feeling good about my finances do you think that is true and how do you handle finances for me and for angela we like to we like to make sure we have a cushion and nest egg to fall back on. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of places that you work don't take out your taxes. So as a freelancer, you're on a 1099, which means you have to pay your taxes after, and but you're supposed to pay your quarterly taxes, which a lot of people don't do, then you have to end up paying a penalty come tax time. Oh. Um, some states take out your taxes as a freelancer. California does that. I think Pennsylvania does that now. Some other places, I think New Jersey as well. Other places don't. So it's very varied in where you're working and what you're doing. Um, and is it yeah. difficult when you work in different states, you have to like do the taxes in those states plus the state you yes. live in, right? Yes. So it's it's just very complicated. And, <laughs> and once you start working a lot and if you work a lot outside in different places mm -hmm. and then once you add the international aspect right. it's you can't i, I can't do it. we can't oh, do it ourselves yes. we have we have somebody to do it because it's yeah. just too much i bet yeah because in europe you like they take out a higher percentage of tax but then you get a credit towards your your income tax here in the states yeah. and it's just and each state each country over there is a different rate um yeah. when you work in italy they don't pay for your housing or your flight by law but then when you work in um like germany they pay the company will pay for your flight most of the time nice good to know yeah let's yeah. go to germany that's why it's the dreamland we keep yeah. saying mm -hmm. that. <laughs> deutschland the dreamland <laughs> <laughs> yes and taxes was one of the things we wanted to talk to you about so yeah yeah sure. that's good to know. On that. yes i will say i will say a good rule of thumb that angela and i live by is 
when you get your paycheck as a freelancer, as a soloist, you should really put a third of it away right away for taxes. Mm. Oh, wow. That's what we, sh- like, because you don't know, because if you're not on top of your, um, oh, what's it called? Your estimates, um, it'll come back and bite you in the butt because you have to pay a penalty. I, this is what I do. I third for taxes, a third stays in my bank account for what I need now and spending. And then a third goes into savings. Thinking in advance. Yes. We love talking about finances here. We do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, John. We've loved having you on today and getting to talk about all these bits of essential knowledge that is so important to the success of our careers. Uh, we have just two more questions uh, that we ask every one of our guests. Um, so the first question, the main goal of our podcast is to encourage singers and let them know that no one is perfect. And we end up receiving advice from lots of different people in the industry, but, uh, and we strive for perfection, but we never achieve that completely. (laughs) Um, so we would like to talk to you a little bit about, um, something that maybe you struggle with or something that you were told you didn't measure up in and yet you have persevered and been really successful in. Yeah. So there was a time with one of my teachers who I do not work with anymore, but I learned a lot from. They said that at the time that I was, didn't have a consistent top and that was my fault. And I had to fix that even though I was paying them to learn from them. But then the person also did a lot of mind damage to me about like my image, Mm. meaning my size. Cause I, I was, when I first started working with this person, I was thinner and then I, you know, gained some weight and like fluctuates its life. Yeah. Um, But that was something that was a point of contention. And then also I am of mixed race. I'm half Chinese. And um, being that, that I'm not stereotypical and I'm six, two and I'm, very tall and not a tiny person. Yeah. And so they were like, I had experiences in my past, not with this person, not this teacher, but like with other casting people saying, oh, well, we can't, we can't cast you as like Pinkerton because you are Asian. Mm. And so it's things like that, that it's hard, like you hear it and it feels like you're like stopped. Right. But like with my, with the teacher, with like my high notes and stuff like that, no, I found a different different educate a different teacher who kind of helped me open that path figure things out and it became more consistent with um image you know i that comes back to mental health it's like you need to love yourself first and you know when you love yourself it shows and you want to what the world is different colors different sizes different shapes and everyone is beautiful and so it's not just this one cookie cutter of this is the only thing that looks good and is hireable yeah and i think for a while especially in our industry they were trying to go down the path of like hollywood you have to be mm-hmm. like brad pitt or you have to be like angelina jolie but they're not they're not equipped to sing opera and they're also there's more stories to be told i mean i was we just i was just listening to jamie barton um talk about some things about Carmen and how she's like her she equates to Carmen she's very earthy she equates I think I think she'd be okay with me saying this like she equates Carmen to like Frida Kahlo who is not like your stereotypical ideal of beauty in like the regard of 
what people say is beautiful, yeah. but she was beautiful and magnetic and you just felt it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's the thing is we, we're working to, it. it's not like, you know, I haven't like completely, you know, passed over the mental hurdle of how I look, what I, what I look like mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think everybody suffers from that, but um, you just have to be like kind to yourself and love yourself. I, uh, before we even re- started recording today, you, you made sure to tell us everyone is beautiful. And now mm-hmm. you're, you know, telling us this in the podcast, but I guess I just want our audience to know that, you know, John really believes this. He lives this in his life. This is his normal conversation of what he believes. So thank you for sharing that. with us. Yeah. Everyone is beautiful. Everyone is enough and everyone has purpose in life, whether it be what they're doing now or something else, but it's always going to be there. That's great. Okay. Just a fun question or two. We want to know what your dream role is, John. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, well, one for sure is Peter Grimes. Oh, cool. Yes. <laughs> That's one I've, I'm dying to do. Um, maybe Lohengrin. Oh, cool. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay, so do you have a book that you have read that you encourage um, us to read that has some way shifted your perspective or that you just think would benefit people in general? Um, well, I mean, a book that I've always loved is The Alchemist. But um, that's what Angela said Angela. too. I know. I, I Yeah, I, I remember hearing her say that. Um, but I also... But I also love like um, the hitch <laughs> the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, awesome. I love that. I look that's because great. it's like you know it's it resonates different in me now that I'm past thirty, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and also it gives me a chance to like laugh at life mm-hmm. and not take things so heavy. So, and or you know, I mean, I love To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. you know, to be sympathetic and honest and that sort of thing too. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and also your enthusiasm and love for singing and performing. Um, Mariah and I started this podcast because we wanted to give young singers encouragement and pep talks that we all need. And you've definitely done that. And to our listeners today, we hope you have gained something and are ready to get out there and start kicking butt in your own careers, no matter where on that path you may be. So with that, stop waiting in the wings, go out and take the stage, my friends. Until next time, thank you for listening to another episode of Take the Stage Opera Podcast. We love hearing from you, so please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and give us a review. It helps us to continue delivering quality material. 